Welcome back. My name's Audrey. I'm Amanda. And we're sisters. And this is One Eye Open. Yes. Freaking nailed <laughs> it. Okay, so for today, I remembered that there's something really crazy that I wanted to tell you. Okay. Um, that is, like, not an event nor anything else, but I feel like I haven't told you this yet, and it's, like, over a year overdue. Okay. <laughs> um, you just remembered it? Yeah. Okay. I forgot to mention that I realized that I have synesthesia. So you, like, think with sound? There's a lot of different versions. I don't think with sound. Okay. <laughs> I, try. I was I, trying to break down the word and see if I could figure it I out. I like, so some people like taste colors. Yeah. Like colors have tastes. Uh, like you could eat a burger and be like, this tastes like purple. Wait, I guess everyone thinks in sound. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. That's a good, that's a good point. <laughs> um, I'm so dumb. Uh, so what is it? There's, so there's all these different versions. Okay. And so you can like hear like, when you hear sounds, you can, it can be associated yeah. with colors. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Or something yeah. like that. A lot of it has to do with colors. Like, when you think of a word, you think of a color associated with Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I didn't realize this, but I also have synesthesia. This all stemmed from when I was talking to my coworkers at this job I used to have, and I was like, do you guys ever, like, picture t- time? For my whole life, I've tried to, like, explain this to people, and everyone, I just thought it was how everyone pictured it, but no one ever agrees with me. How and do you do it? I, like, see time. So, like, time, like, a time frame? Like, a day? Mostly it has to do with, yes, it's, like, a day. Or, like, yeah, like, a time frame. I picture, t- I can see time frames. Um, like, when you... In my when head, when s- I'm, like, it's, like, spatial orientation. What? What, Eli? Whatever. He's literally fighting with two dogs. <laughs> He's shouting at an animal who's just staring at him with a blank face. <laughs> Okay, so you when you think of like oh tomorrow, so in, if you time. said tomorrow in my head, and it's it's really hard to uh, verbalize I'm, what I'm seeing. No, because I have something similar. So I think I feel like it might be the same thing. Okay, so when I hear the word August, yeah, I see a calendar. Like kind of, no, I don't oh, see a calendar. That's kind of what I see. No, that makes sense. That's what probably oh, okay. most people see because <laughs> when you are managing time, you look at calendars. That like, yeah, just yeah, makes yeah. sense. But for me, it's like a list and there's multiple perspectives that I look at it based on like the time of the year uh-huh. and it's like a list of the words so I see the word August and it like yeah. has a different color each one has a different color but it's like I can't verbalize the color it's not yeah. like an actual color I and so it, it's like the word is there there's like a list so January through July is a, like one list and then once July is happening it moves over to august and then it moves over to september and then there's a third or a fourth column so there's two columns of just one month okay and the third column is october november december i wonder why and then december i can picture it. it's really close to january in my head but yeah. it's also like way yeah. over here yeah. but also when it is december i can sense january is like right below it but it's actually up here oh. and like each time of the year like it rotates in my head and i'm like looking at this four column chart basically of words and then um, a week is, like, I see Sunday, 
and then Monday's here, but then I rotate where I'm looking at it, and then it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like, downward, and then Wednesday happens, and I'm rotating and looking at it sideways, and then Thursday, I rotate another 180 degrees, and then Friday's next to it, and then Saturday and Sunday are, like, it's, like, a list, and Saturday and Sunday are up top. It's so hard to explain. I can't even verbalize it, but... Interesting. I didn't. I just thought that it was like I didn't know how to explain it to anyone. And I was trying to explain it to these coworkers, and they were like, "Oh, that's synesthesia, like a type of synesthesia. 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 Synesthesia is spatially orienting, visualizing time frames. Interesting. Time has a space and a and a look. I I have like I I think of it as a space. I don't think of it as like a list though. What do you with like a three dimensional three-dimensional properties i think of like a box huh when i think of tomorrow i think of like a box oh maybe you do have it too not a box a square because you can only fit so much into it you know what I mean? yeah yeah there ha- it has limits yeah but it's it's like it also doesn't yeah exactly mm. anyways so weird that is weird yeah i thought, that, I thought i'd mention it to you <laughs> so why did you what made you think of it um i don't know i was just like trying to plan out my day one day and I was like I don't think I ever told Audrey that I have synesthesia <laughs> self-diagnosed self-diagnosed <laughs> oh my god but um that's yeah. really interesting that's though. my update cool maybe we can do an episode about that yeah um let's see oh god I don't have anything nearly as cool as that to talk about um the Oscars were off were on last night Yes, we are recording this the day after the Oscar, so we're again at our father's house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sipping on coffee. It's almost noon. It's noon, yeah, but it was a late night and yeah, yeah. very tired. I was tired. so tired this morning. Me too. I woke up really groggy. What are your thoughts on the Oscars? Um, I thought they were good. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, I was happy with Best Picture, because that's what I put down as my guess. Mm, I thought, yes, I'm happy. It's not what I put down, because I thought they were going to just go traditional. I, I knew they never go with what everyone thinks it's going to be. Not anymore. They used to, but in the last few years, they've, like, it's always been kind of out of left field. Yeah, the underdogs, but yeah. kind of taking the, taking the yep. bait. But I love Parasite. It was a good movie, so yeah, I'm happy it was it really won. good. It was really good. So, so yeah, good. I'm happy with it. Yeah. Yeah, I really wanted Saoirse to win. Yeah, me too. But, but I knew she wasn't going to. Yeah. But I still put her down. That was a good movie. I was really surprised by Little Woman. Oh. I think she said I was too. Yeah, sorry, I had something in my tooth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know. No, I was pleasantly surprised by how amazing it was. I thought it was going to be really boring. It No, I yeah, it was like... I thought, because I never, I don't like period pieces. Oh, I love period no. pieces. I just but I, like I understand the boringness of them. Like, yeah. I understand why people don't like them, and they definitely are not plot heavy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, like, feel just very peaceful when I watch them. Yeah, me too. And I think, oh, it looks really cool to be living back then, but then I would actually hate it if I actually was there. Yeah, like, you have no purpose or meaning in your life because you're a woman. Well, and yeah. also there's, like, racism and homophobia. I was thinking, like, homophobia. I would be constantly cold. Oh. Or that. <laughs> I was thinking maybe the more the li- the living conditions were. That's true. Horrible, not horrible, but and like everyone's just dying of disease. Yep. Well, cool. Let's get to the story. Yeah, let's go. So today it is my episode, Amanda, um, and I am going to be talking about the disappearance of the Malaysia Airlines Flight Three Seventy. 
Okay, that was a bad... Yeah, you yawned as My I was saying that. My yawn was it's bad timing, but no, I'm really excited to, okay. to hear about this, because I don't know anything about it. I already knew that you were doing this, because I saw yeah. your notes. Yeah. I didn't see what you wrote, but I saw that you were doing this. Yeah. But it's... I don't know, like, anything about it, so... Yeah, so I was listening to the Stuff You Should Know podcast, which, if you don't listen to it, I think it's really interesting, and they did an episode on this, which I was like, whoa. And so I was like, I should do this for a podcast. Yeah. Episode. For our podcast episode. Yeah. Um, but it's really interesting. However, it is just, like, dense. Like, okay. when I was on Wikipedia and other websites, mostly I, like, start with Wikipedia. Yeah, me too. And from there, I get the basic outline, and then I dig into each yeah, thing with other stuff. Yeah, So, okay, let me just show you the contents, because you know how on Wikipedia they have, like, a table of contents? Yeah. Oh my god. I know. Oh my god. Yeah, it just goes on and on. And it just logs. Logs upon logs upon logs of data. Oh. It's just it's just so much information. And a lot of it <laughs> goes way over my head. Yeah. It's a lot of jargon. A lot of abbreviations. It's also happening not with, like, American right. companies or governments. So abbreviations are different for different... Like, things are called different things. Yeah. It's just... I'm going to do my best, it, as Audrey can vouch, like, or can, um, Audrey can, uh, attest. corroborate, attest to. It took me forever to do these notes. Yeah. <laughs> it took me so long. And I am, like, completely bare-bonesing it. Okay. So there is so much information on this. It is unreal. So you can get into big, like, deep internet trudging, okay. drudging Drudging. It's weird because it's something that you, nobody knows actually what happened, right? No one knows what happened, but there is so much data on it. Oh. Yeah. It's crazy. So for those of you who aren't aware, the Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 disappearance has been described as one of the biggest mysteries in modern aviation history. And it took place on March 8th, 2014. Okay. So. Not have, even that long ago. Have you seen Manifest? No. It's that, that? it's that TV show where the plane disappears oh. for five years, but yeah. everyone on the plane, like, didn't realize they disappeared for five years. Mm-hmm. Like, they just felt like it was a normal plane ride. Yeah. And then everyone else just thought they were dead and moved on with their lives. I do remember seeing commercials for that, but I've never seen it. It's a really good show. I haven't I seen I, the next you season. you talked but... about it to me yeah. before. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Maybe I'll but watch that. But this kind of reminds me, I wonder if that's what they What's going on right now? Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll we're just... waiting, because yeah. it's 2014, so... Oh, it no. would have already, would have already come back. But, but you know, maybe it's maybe not, yeah, maybe it's not five years. So um, let's just jump into it, but know that um, I'm going to be giving, like, a pretty basic outline of the events that took place. Okay. Um, and that there is so much more very detailed, uh, like, data logs that you can go dive into. And uh, so this is, like, kind of a starter kit for this disappearance, Okay. I guess. So on March 8th. 2014, 227 passengers and 12 crew members boarded Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. They said goodbye to their family and friends, assuming that it would just be another flight or another day at work, if you're a crew. Mm -hmm. Um, But nobody realized that they would never be seen or heard from again. Where did they leave from? They took off from Kuala Lumpur Lumpur International Airport, which is in Malaysia. So... Yes, so they took off from, well, they were scheduled to leave in a Boeing 777-200 aircraft, which is, like, 
the more common. Yeah. For, like slight. Seven eight airlines. seven. Seven seven seven. Oh, a seven, Boeing seven seven seven. seven. Okay. They left from Kuala Lumpur, which is the main airport in Malaysia, and they were supposed to leave. Uh, well, I'll get to all the timing stuff. They were supposed to be heading to the Beijing Capital International Airport. Okay. Um, which is about a six-hour flight. Piloting the aircraft was 53-year-old Zahari Ahmad Shah. Uh, he had a total of 18,365 hours of piloting experience and over 30 years of piloting experience. So Really? He's like a very seasoned yeah. pilot. His co-pilot was a 27-year-old man named Farik Abdul Hamid. I hope I'm saying these right. He had about 2,763 hours and seven years of experience. Okay. He actually was, uh, this was his final flight of training before being examined for flying 777s. Oh, no. Yeah. That's really, really unfortunate. Yeah. He had started training for this type of plane in 2014. Um, and, like, I think it takes about a year. Okay. Because this was, well, this is in March. So maybe it takes, maybe, I guess it takes, like, three months. Huh. Okay. Okay. I'll just cut that out. Okay. That sounds really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So the flight, well, the flight was determined, was uh, supposed to be a uh, duration of five and a half hours, not six hours. Sorry. Incorrect. Five and a half hours. But it carried enough, the flight, like, the plane had enough fuel for seven hours and 31 minutes. Mm-hmm. So there's, like, an extra two hours of flight, like, give, uh, In case, like, they can't Yeah, land for emergencies, that. yeah. So, let's get into some timing. Okay. Timing is really important in this story. So, the flight was scheduled to leave at 12.35 a.m. Okay. And it ended up taking off at 12.42. So... Probably seven minutes. Like honestly, way more in time than any plane I've ever yeah, been I know. on. <laughs> I've never been on a plane that's actually taken off within like a ten minute period of yeah. the time it's supposed to. Um, and it was given approval by air traffic control to rise to flight level one eighty, which is uh, which is eighteen thousand feet. Okay. Uh, so smooth sailing at first. Voice analysis confirms that the pilot, Captain Shaw, was in communication with air traffic control before and after takeoff. Okay. Shortly after departure, the flight was transferred from the airport's ATC, which is air traffic control, to what they call Lumpur radar. So this is the frequency that's used for, like, en route air traffic. Mm -hmm. So you only actually connect with air traffic control during takeoff and and Mm -hmm. landing. Once you're in the air, you're transferred to a radar system, which is just kind of pinging between the plane and the, like, base. Okay. So... At 12.46, this is five minutes after takeoff, they were cleared for uh, flight level 350, which is 35,000 feet, which is cruising altitude. Mm -hmm. And so now we're 15 minutes later at 1.01 a.m. Okay. Flight 370's crew... Well, I say flight 370. Is that... There's a 370? I think it's 370. Flight 370's crew reported to Lumpur Radar... Um, that they had reached flight level 50, and then they confirmed this again at 1.08 a.m. So that is already kind of strange. Because you wouldn't, like, at 1.01 be like, ping, like, we've reached our flight, like, our cruising altitude, and then seven minutes later just ping again and be like, by the way, we're still here at this altitude that's, like, not normal. Okay. So already kind of strange. Sorry, just got to get that coffee. (laughs) 
at 1.19 and 30 seconds, so this is 11 minutes after that second confirmation, Mm -hmm. the first officer, Hamid, um, so the one that's not as experienced, acknowledged a transition from Lumpur Radio to Ho Chi Minh Area Center. Area control center. Okay. So when you're flying, like you're passing between different right. legislations, basically like air re- legislations, government areas. Yeah. And there's specific radio, radio etiquette, I guess, oh. or procedure, radio procedures that have to happen. So you have to sign off with Lumpur, and then you have to connect with Ho Chi Minh as mm-hmm. you go into their air traffic control center or their um air con- area control. Okay. Uh, perimeter. It must suck going through Europe. I know, right? Um, they probably have, like, much larger, Truth like, collaborative. Yeah. So, that's at 119. They acknowledge a transition. So, Lumpur Radar says, Malaysian 370, contact Ho Chi Minh 120, decimal 9, good night. Flight 370 then responds, good night, Malaysian 370. Creepy. I know, right? That was the last verbal communication that was ever had by them. Oh, what yeah. the heck? So at this point, they were supposed to switch over from the Lumpur. So they're saying, like, goodnight to them. Yeah. Which is just a creepy way of saying it yeah. when you're about to, like, literally never be seen again. Yeah. And they're supposed to connect with Ho Chi Minh to be like, hey, we're in your area. Like, we're good. Yeah. Are you tracking me, basically? So something... You can continue. But then say, like, what if something happened just a split second between those two transitions? Exactly. Dang. So. So they're over the ocean right now, I'm assuming. They're over the ocean. Okay. They're, like, right off the coast. They're in the um, South Asia Sea, I think is what like it Vietnam. is. I mean, Ho Chi Minh's Vietnam. Yeah. Well, they're, they're like, it's, like, kind of basically midway between the coast of Malaysia and the coast of, yeah. the, like, southern coast of Vietnam. Okay. Okay. So. Where was I? I should go back to where I was in my notes. Um, bum, 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 bum. It was at this point there's a switch that they were supposed to switch over, um, but at o one twenty one thirteen, so that first that last interaction happened at one nineteen a.m. and now two minutes later, um, flight three seventy disappeared from the radar screen at Kuala Lumpur, and was lost at about the same time on the radar at Ho Chi Minh ACC. Huh. So, so they still could see them on the radar, even though they turned off communication. They turned off. They switched over communication. I think they. Well, let's let me continue because I'm not going to speculate and then prove myself wrong okay. later because the notes are so confusing. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say this. I think that they are like it was eventually going to go off their radar. So I think okay. they probably assumed that they had just switched over. Okay. Um, and that it was just going off their radar. Yeah. Because this was the last transmission, it was believed that the transponder after this point was not working. Like, the verbal yeah. transponder. Um, side, that's just, like, a side fact. Um, but when this last blip, like, before it went off the radar, indicated that at this point it was flying at a cruising altitude of 35,000 feet and it was traveling at 542 miles per hour. So it's not like... There yeah. was nothing... Nothing indicated that something was wrong when yeah. it went off their radar. Okay. It also had 91,500 pounds of fuel when it disappeared, which is a lot of fuel. Because they've only been flying for, like... How do they know that? 40 minutes. It's all this data that is in those pings. It, like, oh. transmits a bunch of data. Oh, okay. At 1.38 a.m., so this is almost an hour after they've taken off, Ho Chi Minh mm-hmm. ACC contacts Kuala Lumpur 
to ask where Flight 370 was. So it's an hour, about an hour after takeoff, but it's also 17 minutes after it went off of the screen. So why would they wait so long? <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of things that went wrong here. Okay. So they contacted Kuala Lumpur to ask where that flight was. Um, because they had never established verbal communication with the pilots oh. like they were supposed to. They are supposed to immediately switch over. Yeah. And they never did. So 17 minutes later. Okay. They're like, well, actually, because the last verbal communication was at 119. And then at 121, so two minutes later. So it's been 19 minutes since their last communication. Almost okay. 20. Um, but 17 minutes since they disappeared from radar. Uh-huh. What followed was hours and hours of communication between Kuala Lumpur ACC, their area control center, and all the surrounding ACCs, trying to figure out who, if anyone, had been in contact with them. Uh-huh. But no one had. So what they didn't realize at that time... Oh, puppy! Doggy! The doggy's down here. Can you hear her little paws? Hi, sweetheart. Oh, I love you. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> you scared me. All right, sit, girl. Sit. Sit. Georgia, sit. Good girl. Good Stay. girl. Oh, Honey, we're doing the show. It's scary. You can't listen. It's not scary. It is. It's scary. But not now. Well, because okay. we stopped talking. <laughs> okay, well, if you... I don't... It's not really that scary. Yeah, I guess not. Okay, Eli, if you sit here, you have to be hush-hush, okay? Oh, good job. You got marshmallows in that mouth. I love it. Okay, so your listening ears are on That's and you're... That's what they call a bubble at my school. A bubble? You catch a bubble in your mouth? I like that. It's okay. a good idea. Okay, Eli's got his bubble, um, and we will continue. Okay, so what they didn't realize at that time was that when Flight 370 disappeared from All Center's radars, it actually had still been pinging on a military radar. Okay. Um, the military radar showed the flight veering off course, basically making a U-turn and then flying back past Kuala Lumpur and beyond continuing about at about 571 miles per hour and hovering between 31 and 33,000 feet. And the data took a really long time to come out because the countries were hesitant to release information that would su- suggest the government's capabilities of tracking things. Huh. Um, but this would end up being a huge controversy down the road. I don't even know if they realized that there was, like, the failure here is communication between centers. Yeah. yeah. So the military didn't realize that they were searching for this plane okay you know so they weren't even aware so yeah they weren't even aware the military wasn't aware they should have been looking for this plane but the other like the accs weren't aware that the military could have been someone they could contact to get Mm -hmm. that information yeah exactly okay yeah okay so at 2 25 a.m so this is like another hour later so this is almost two hours after takeoff okay an aircraft and the aircraft satellite data unit sent a log on request which is not a common event, but could happen for a few different reasons. Most likely, the reason for this logon request is that um, there is a temporary power loss. And then okay. it, like when it comes back on, it automatically tries to log into yeah. the system. And so it sends like a request to log on to the main base. Yeah. Uh, so it comes back online. They don't, they don't know how long the power was out when it actually went out. They only know that when it came back on. Okay. Um, so it was still in the air. So it's still flying in the air two hours after That's takeoff. So creepy. Yeah, it disappears at or like the last communication when that was correct or should have ha- happened was at one nineteen a.m. Yeah. And now it's two twenty-five a.m. So it's and like they... an hour plus an hour and six minutes after they've disappeared. So if they lost power, it would have been 
if they've had not had power for over an hour. Mm. No, they don't know how long the power was out. They, they don't know when it went out okay. and how long it was out. Okay. But what even if the power was out, the data signals that were being pinged, that wouldn't have affected it. It yeah. would have been like a loss of cabin power. Okay. Their Wi-Fi would have gone down and their the air circulations would have gone down. Okay. But something brought it back on. Okay. So they don't know what brought it back on. They assume it was a, a manual flip. Okay. Of turning it off and on. Yes, Eli, your hand is up. So, like, if the power was out for a whole year, then it would be worse. Yes, if the power's out for a whole year, that would be bad. Because you wouldn't be able to see. Well, the and sun... everything would be dark in the house. If you were in the house, even if the power went off in the house. But there's sunlight. Yeah. Good job. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, the power usually goes out when an engine flame... When there's an engine flame out, but because it was still flying fine, it must have been a, a manual flip. Mm-hmm. The logon acknowledgement was the last data available from the Flight 370. Okay. The aircraft did not respond to a status request um, from Inmarset at 9.15 a.m. Okay. Which, so, I will say this, though. What's confusing here is, like, when the last data informations actually transmit. Yeah. So, when it says the last piece of data available, I think they mean the last transmission of data available. Mm-hmm. Um, because the military was still tracking it for, like, six hours oh yeah so it was in the air flying for like hours and hours and hours and hours but there's no data from those pings it's just radar pings okay so they just know where they were yeah they don't know anything about what's going on in the cabin or on the plane what the heck they I'm only s- know that it's they creepy. it's like moving yeah it is kind of creepy but i like like i'm at like what's going on in that plane i don't know they no one has any idea is- hold on eli i'm gonna keep talking um so this brings us to some theories of what's going on. Well, actually, I'll say this. So, eventually, the ra- the military stops receiving any um, radar, either because it crashed or something else happens. They're not sure. They're assuming because that's when it crashed. Um, and they, it was... A- don't they know the exact spot where it stopped? Yes, I'll show you on this map. Okay. It was... Oh, this isn't actually a great one. So, this if is the military one. just, like... If they communicated with the military, they probably would have been able to figure it out they would have been able to track it but even then it's like how do you get yeah. in contact with it so this point here in the andaman sea yeah between thailand and like the tip of indonesia so they're going here and they go out way out here so is that the last known spot i'm pretty sure yeah which is just like in the basically in the near the indian ocean okay um, is it no it's like i mean i don't really know it's in the andaman sea it's right above indonesia yeah it's like north of the Indian Ocean. So what followed was the most expensive underwater search in history and with no evidence turning up. In 2015, pieces of the plane washed up on the beaches of Af- of East Africa and modeling oh. of the ocean currents determined, but this is a year later. So for the actual like most intense, most expensive, I mean most expansive underwater search in history took place, no evidence. A year later, pieces of the plane wash up on the beaches of East Africa. And they this is honestly the most unreal thing I've ever heard. But they could do modeling of the ocean currents to determine where that those pieces came from. What? Yeah. So they determined that the plane must have crashed in the southern Indian Ocean near Western Australia. So if you look at this plan, it's this map, it's going like kind of north along yeah. towards the Andaman Sea. So it must have at some point breached the tip of Indonesia and gone south. Yeah. Why? No, I don't know. 
Like, what? yeah, like, what's the point here? Maybe they lost radar and they're like, where are we going? <laughs> Maybe. Um, so, some theories of what happened. The Daddy's first... upstairs, he can make you food. Yeah, go see Daddy. Um, he goes, when is it summertime? <laughs> <laughs> so, the first theory is that there was a fire on board. Oh, okay. Authorities and experts considered the possibility of the fire as potentially an accident or a malfunction of, like, the let me say that sentence over. Okay. <laughs> Authorities and experts considered the possibility of fire. Um, accident or malfunction could have broken broke out on board. That doesn't what am I what does that sentence mean? Authorities and experts considered the possibility of a fire on board due to an accident or malfunction of some equipment. This would have caused the plane to divert in search of an emergency landing, which would have been a chaotic scrambling to find something. That would have been why they went off course, you know, like trying to find a place yeah, to land. Yeah, but then, uh, so are they thinking that wiped out their communication? So if there was a fire on board, it's possible, this is kind of part two of this theory, but also a separate theory. If there was a fire on board, it's possible that um, while they were des- like looking for a place to land, the crew and passengers all fell unconscious from a lack of oxygen. And okay. so at that point, the plane would have just continued on autopilot. Until it ran out of fuel. And they would have probably died of the lack of oxygen because they never would so have landed. So they're thinking that the oxygen was cut off and the fire was eating all the oxygen. Yeah, because you only have so much oxygen on board. Oh, okay. I thought, okay. Well, like, the, the fire would have could have caused the power outage. Yeah. Which then could have, like, prevented the air, like, the, the circulation of air. Yeah. So there's just only what's in the cabin at the time. Yeah. And then if there's a fire, that would have eaten the oxygen up, basically. Yeah. yeah. And then they would have all died of uh, hypoxia, which is a lack of oxygen. Okay. And the plane would have just continued on autopilot. Okay. So that would have explained why they never, like, verbally communicated to anybody, because mm-hmm. they either the power went out at that point, or they were, like, unconscious. Mm-hmm. But they w- I feel like the power would have gone out first because... They would have had to be conscious to, to make the decision to turn around and try and find land. Yeah. So that's possibly what could have happened. They're also, like, on their way. Like, they're halfway to Vietnam, so. Yeah, it doesn't seem like, like the best solution turn, is to turn around. They literally turned and, like, went right between two land masses. Well, yeah, but that was post. That was probably when it was on autopilot. So, so like, turn, but maybe they, they turned quite... around and they were like, we'll just turn around and go here. Yeah. Back to Malaysia. And land right on the coast or something, oh, like yeah. an emergency landing. That makes sense. But then they were already unconscious by that point, so they didn't land. They just yeah. kept going, and then it, like, went between the two straits on autopilot or something. Yeah. Don't know. So theory two, that's theory two, is, like, well, a fire on board could have been, like, the emergency landing, and then, like, part two is a max, mass hypoxia event where they fell unconscious. Um, those two kind of go together as one theory, but also the hypoxia event could have happened in multiple ways. There's multiple hypoxia theories. Okay. If that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. So, technically, right now, it is still the official theory of the Malaysian government and the Australian Safety Bureau that what happened was the fire, they fell unconscious trying to find land. Okay. That's their official theory. Yeah. Not like their, that's what they say they think may have happened is most likely what happened. But, here's where it gets a little fishy, and we'll get back to that second hypoxia event. Okay. You can, sorry, you can hear the uh, doggies walking around. So in 2016, this is two years after this flight. Okay. They discovered, or maybe this was discovered earlier, but it came, it became like public knowledge that Captain Shaw, the like the really experienced dude. Yeah. 
he dude captain the really experienced <laughs> captain did he uh had a, f- a personal flight simulator in his home which is like not that weird but then they um went through like the, the database of it mm-hmm. and in the day like in the history like the logs of that personal flight simulator he had mapped out a route very similar to the route that the plane went on weird yeah and official reports say that this is not proof of any conspiracy and that like you need much more proof to say like this was a purposeful event but his and his family spoke out and said you know he loved life he had an unblemished flying record for 30 years yeah he would never do something like this like why after 30 something years is he doing this and then why, why in the first place would you do it anyway? Why yeah, like, what's just... the what's the purpose of, like, derailing a flight? No demands were made, no public crashing yeah. of it. And it's not like he immediately crashed down. Yeah. Unless he's been planning this out for years, thinking, like, how can I do the perfect Maybe he crime. was just trying to kill himself, or, and, like, he was angry, and he's like, I'm just going to take all these people down with me, or... I don't know. I don't know. They said he was happy, he loved life, but, like, that's what a lot of people say about a lot of bad people no one really expects it and but also if this was some sort of terrorist event which it's been stated that no government believes it was a terrorist event Mm -hmm. but if it was you know he may be flying for 30 years but you can still become a target of of some group trying to like get you to help them carry out some mission or purpose or something who knows what was going on no one knows i will say that it's very suspicious that he has Almost the exact flight yeah. mapped out on his personal flight simulator. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what are the chances of that? That's very weird. And, and it's, it's a not, weird flight exactly, path. It's, it's not like a normal flight. Path. Yeah. It's a very strange flight path. It's just like a complete U-turn. Yeah. So that made people think, well, this must have been purposeful. Yeah. Here's where some other theories come on board. If this was... not No pun intended. Get it? No. <laughs> some other theories come on board. Oh, <laughs> you're so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, um, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so back to that hypoxia thing. Mm-hmm. So if this was a purposeful event, which it kind of seems like it was, yeah, there is a possibility. So a 60 Minutes episode aired about this flight. And in that episode, a bunch of pilots confirmed that what could have happened is that in turning off the, the power... You like depressurize the cabin, mm-hmm. and or some some I don't know exactly the mechanisms of how this happens, but somehow when you turn off the power, it will depressurize the cabin, and maybe all the passengers just died from yeah. hypoxia. Yeah. But that the pilots had oxygen; they have personal oxygen up there. Mm-hmm. They could have just stayed conscious through like their personal oxygen supply, mm-hmm. and then once they once everyone was dead on board, they just turned the power back on. Oh. Which is when they would have, like, pinged on that logon request. And then that way, they can do whatever they want, and everyone's dead on board, and no one's going to interrupt them. What do you mean, do whatever they want? Like, they can keep derailing the flight oh. and do whatever they want without people, like, trying to overcome them. Oh, I see. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, like, why not just crash the plane? That's the thing. I feel like they were trying to do something. Oh. I don't know. Okay. Well, that's if, the, if, the, if it was purposeful, and they did kill everyone on board so that they could do whatever they want with the plane. Yeah. Maybe it was purposeful. Huh. Like, maybe they weren't trying to crash the plane, but -hmm. something went wrong and then it ended up crashing or something like that. I don't know. Hmm. These are all theories. (laughs) Um, However, these theories were rejected by the Australian government because they said that if he actually did do this decompression, 
he would have given himself decompression sickness in his attempt to like mm. kill everyone on board and he is also he wasn't in the top-notch health like he was kind of overweight yeah they, they said he was very overweight in this report but i looked at the photo and he didn't look that overweight so okay. he looked like he was just like an average 50 something year old man but okay. he wouldn't be in good enough health to like be fine in a depressurized situation like he would be messed up from that. yeah but maybe that's why yeah maybe it didn't work maybe that's why it didn't work i don't know so that's another theory kind of along the same lines someone um suggested that it could have been a purposeful like a, a conscious ditching quotation conscious ditching of the plane by the pilots so the search radius that was used for this huge underwater search was based upon where the plane would have been when the f- if they continued on that flight path when the fuel ran out. Okay. Be- and so because that was like a huge failure, even though it was one of the most intense searches ever, people are like, well, that's n- clearly that's not what happened. Like something yeah. else happened to yeah. get it out of that area. And so what could have happened is a controlled ditching. This is something that is taught to pilots if yeah. they are running out of fuel or if something happens where they, you know, are going to... F- crash based on fuel you can uh glide the plane down it's like when you're going downhill on neutral mm-hmm. <laughs> you glide the plane down to slow so you're not just like falling straight down yeah you're at least gliding a bit so if you're landing on water maybe you won't maybe the plane won't break into a billion pieces yeah. <laughs> so they said maybe they did a controlled ditching where they glide downward in which case they could have gone like 200 kilometers out of like off course past that Okay, radius. They're like, there's no way we can search that hole. Yeah. And area. so this could have meant that they were trying to like get out of the plane and like it wasn't a suicide attempt, mm-hmm. but it was like well, I don't I still don't even know. I don't even know what it would have been at that point. Like what was the purpose of that? Why kill everyone on board and like crash the plane? Maybe fake their own death. Maybe. I don't even Maybe know. Maybe they're still alive somewhere. Or yeah, just, the, the, that's like that's pilot. that theory is like they could be still alive. Yeah. But then like all those pieces of the plane were found, so the plane must have exploded. Or it's just like decomposed and or no but it's yeah. metal so it's only a year later yeah well maybe the waves were just so strong against it afterwards maybe or maybe something else like maybe it smashed against i don't know yeah i don't know either. i don't know okay so those are some theories all of them have possibilities because it makes sense that like it would have gone really far off course if they couldn't find it in this insanely expansive yeah underwater search but okay So here are a few other suspicious things that happened. First, two of the men on board, two two passengers, boarded the flight with stolen passports. Okay. So those had been taken from Thailand within the past two years. One was a Chinese, I think one was a, um, one Austrian and one Italian. Okay. So two people boarded the flight with stolen passports from an Australian and an Italian um, citizen that had been reported stolen within the previous two years from Thailand. Immigration officials afterwards criticized the... I mean, um, the government, the Malaysian government, criticized immigration officials um, for not stopping these people from boarding the flight. But yeah. that's pretty much all that came out of that. Okay. They were just like, hey, you shouldn't let them on board. Yeah. But everyone, no one was like, that's suspicious. Yeah. I guess. But that is suspicious. Yeah, it is. Flight 370 also was carrying two strange things. Um, first, it was carrying... 23,823 pounds of cargo, of which four unit loading devices worth of mangosteens were loaded, which is 10,000 pounds. So what are mangos? Like mangoes? They're fruit. It's a, it's like a mango kind of. It looks different. It looks like um that. Okay. They kind of look like 
dragon dragon fruit. fruit, Yeah. Yeah. So very weird. Um, So half of that 23,000 pounds was mango steens. Maybe they were like also gluing and delivery or something. Yeah. But another 487 pounds were of lithium ion batteries, which is of interest. Because So these two things are of interest for two different reasons. First, lithium ion batteries, which is what we use in the huts in the AMC and are terrifying, um, but they're really good batteries. But the thing that's problematic about them is that if they overheat or get too cold, they oh. will like catch on fire or explode. Okay. So th- there's a lot of strict regulations. Um, <laughs> forgot she was there. Georgia. There's a lot of strict regulations in regards to carrying lithium-ion batteries on a plane because they're so, like, capable of, like, combustion. Let me just quote this piece of um, Wikipedia for you because it's kind of confusing. So, quote, a fire fueled by lithium-ion batteries had caused the crash of a UPS Airlines Flight 6 and lithium-ion batteries are suspected to have caused a fire which resulted in the crash of Asiana Airlines Flight 991. Both of these were cargo aircraft shifts, so this is not, not a passenger ship. Some airlines have stopped carrying bulk shipments of these lithium-ion batteries on passenger aircrafts because of safety concerns. Yeah. So it's kind of strange that they're carrying a huge bulk shipment of these on a passenger aircraft because it's known to be so dangerous and multiple airlines have been crashed because of it. So maybe they placed it there. Maybe. Or maybe they just were like, you know, fuck it. Let's just put it all on our plane. Like maybe there was nothing suspicious about it, but it is strange and it is a safety concern. It does feed into the possibility of a fire on board. Okay. So the mango scenes were loaded into four ULDs at Kuala Lumpur and um, were inspected by officials from their agriculture marketing authority before being loaded into the plane. And according to the head of the Malaysian police, the people who handled the mangosteens, the Chinese importers were questioned to rule out sabotage. And Oh my god. Jesus Christ. Eli, you can't do that. You can't do that, Eli. That's scary. You're scaring us. Just be, make yourself known when you come down here. <laughs> Don't be so quiet. You're, You're scaring us. Purpose. Okay, go back upstairs, honey. We're almost done. I thought you were a dog, and I... then it was a child. Oh, so face staring at me. Oh, so creepy. Okay, just okay. So according to the head of the police, people were, the people who handle all the mango scenes and the importers that were like shipping that were like responsible for them being shipped, mm-hmm. were questioned to rule out sabotage, which apparently it was ruled out okay so it was just strange that there was so literally ten thousand pounds yeah. and it was legit They're like just might as well <laughs> might as well throw that in there if you had um, in there in 2018 the malaysian government released an official document that declared their ruling on the event okay which was all right we don't know oh okay <laughs> <laughs> so it was the only time an official ruling ever was like we, we will never no know idea. we have literally no clue what happened okay. at all and we're not going to even suggest possibilities because yeah. there's just it's no evidence. It's all speculation. Um, however, they were inclined to believe that it was not a terrorist attack. Okay. They do not think that. They said there's like absolutely no reason to assume that. Okay. Mostly because... Georgia, can you please lay down? Lay down, girl. Mostly because it's... If it was a terrorist attack, and I'm, this is me speculating, if this is a terrorist attack, I feel like there would be more communication yeah, like, saying why. Yeah, they wouldn't just, they like, would quietly disappear. Known. Yeah, it would be, like, something that they want known. After this was released, the French government announced that they were going to launch an investigation into the way the satellite data was collected, um, but they have not released... Georgia, Georgia just groaned so loud. Oh, my God. She's so cute. Um, 
But they haven't released anything on that investigation yet because there's just a lot of controversy around the way, like, all this data was handled and communicated. Yeah, I feel like there were so many mistakes made. So many mistakes and so much, like, just wasted time. Like, there were 17 minutes before they were like, hey, where's your your plane? Yeah, I think they would have said hi by now. Yeah. And then in 2019, um, the Malaysian transport minister, Anthony Loki, or Loki, said he would be open to starting up a search again for more of the plane um, if he was given a good enough offer. Oh, God. <laughs> As did the Ocean Infinity, who was also involved. It's like the organization that was a major part in the initial search. Okay. My last fun fact is that at the time of the flight's disappearance, Malaysian Airlines was struggling to cut costs to compete with a new wave of low-cost uh, carriers. Like, not carriers. Airlines. Low-cost yeah. airlines. But after this incident, um, under the Montreal Convention, if a carrier is responsibility, it, it is the carrier's responsibility to prove lack of fault in an incident and each passenger's next of kin are automatically entitled, regardless of the fault, to a payment of approximately $175,000. Oh, wow. Um, and so, from the airline's insurance company. Yeah. Eli, can you not do that right now? I'm trying to record. Yeah, let go. Thank you. Um, so that totaled about 40 million U.S. dollars equivalent oh, no. for the 27, 227 passengers on board. So that did not do well for them. Oh. And a lot of um, lawsuits also came out of this based on, like, the handling of information. And they also probably lost a lot of business. People probably didn't Oh, definitely. I'd be like, yeah, I'm flights. not going on one of their flights. Yeah. It doesn't seem safe. And that is a bit of the Malaysian Airlines 2014 disappearance and mystery. That is crazy. I know. I honestly didn't even realize that there was parts of it that washed up. I thought yeah. it was still like they didn't even have any sign. Which of it. I don't get how you know that uh, that it's the plane. Yeah. Like, is like every inch of it stamped with a code? Yeah, I don't know how they I figured have that no out. No idea. So here's a giggle for you. Yeah, let's listen to the giggle. <laughs> okay, so for your giggle, um, I recommend going to watch a little bit of The Office. Get your mind off of a. Potential airline conspiracy theories. I got the sneeze. Why did you not cover anything? <laughs> I'm sorry. You literally, both their hands are free, and you just <laughs> sat there and sneezed on me. Eli. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't try to protect her. No. Jeez. So, I recommend going to watch the episode, um, what's the one where they go to Dwight's farm for the first time? Money. Season four, episode what, three or four. Yeah. Uh, so go watch the episode Money from The Office. Super funny when they go to Dwight's farm for the first time. Hysterical. Uh, it'll give you a nice little giggle before bed or maybe while you're continuing to drive, you can put on the Office Ladies podcast and listen to one of those episodes. Kind of the same one. thing. Um, and if you like this episode, please go rate and review us on Apple Podcast, guys. That really does help us. And follow us on Instagram at One I Open Podcast. One I Open Pod. One I Open Podcast. Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at One I Open Pod. Or um, on Facebook, give us a like. And if you have any of your own stories that you want to share, go email us at oeopod at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. And Eli, what would you like to say? Um, like, I think. They just run by water. All right. That's a good way to end it. (laughs) And with that, uh, this has been One Eye Open.